o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most stressed name in automobiles. So, a lot to talk about today. Nick Saban announcing his retirement yesterday for 17 seasons at Alabama. 28 as a college football coach. A couple of years at Miami in the NFL. Also, you have Bill Belichick. Press conference set for this morning about 10 o'clock. Where Belichick and Robert Kraft are expected to announce that Belichick and Kraft are parting company. Where do you think Belichick ends up next? Be gone. We got some uh, thoughts on that today. Also, Pete Carroll will now move into uh, the front office as a consultant. Though he still wanted to coach at Seattle, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's told by ownership, no, that they're going in a different direction. Yes, so they're going to go in a different direction. So reaction to that also, we talked about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm piling a little surprised. Nothing about this thing in California. Or the state legislature there. They haven't they haven't approved it yet. They have until the end of the month. But it's a bill going through the California State House that would ban tackle football for kids under the age of twelve. Kids could play flag football, could play tackle football after twelve. They would phase it in over the next uh, couple of years. But they would ban tackle football for kids under twelve. About time, am I right? I'm just I don't know. <laughs> Why should kids get to have all the tackle football fun? And we spent a lot of time talking about it. We're not going to go through everything we, we said last hour. I think my my initial, just and you can state restate your position again, Buckeye, mine is, number one, I, I, I don't feel like it's the job of a state legislature or the government. In this case, with, a, with it being a sport, something like this, mm-hmm. where we're going to tell you your kid can't play. Now, if I decide my kid shouldn't play, if I look at the research and in regard to head injuries and, and, and those things, and I feel like, yeah, 12 for a year, under the age of 12, my kid's nine. That's too young for my kid to start playing. Brain's still forming. Probably not. I'm going to have him play flag football because my kid loves football. And I love football. I'm going to wait till he's a little bit older. I think parents should have the right to decide that if they want their kid to play when they're eight or nine years old. That should be their choice and their their kids' choice to do that. Not somebody at the governmental level, state or federal, telling them, yeah, sorry, we we don't think it's in your kid's best interest to play. I think that should be my job to decide that. There are certain things where where we where kids are required to do things, and I get that understand. But this is we're talking about a a sport here, an athletic event. A hobby, not their education, not anything to do with them being a citizen of this country or their state or anything like that. It's about them playing a sport. And I get it. It's a sport that's a it's a collision sport. It's a sport that's an extremely physical sport. It's a sport that has a history of of those that have played it, particularly at the professional level of dealing with with CTE, brain injuries, and some horrible outcomes. We've also come a long way Mm -hmm. in regard to how we treat concussions, reducing the number of of practices, 
how we deal with a player that's been potentially concussed, concussion protocols. Things have come a long way. And at the youth level, it's it's improved. Maybe it's not as great as it should be, but it's improved a lot. What do would I want, you know, if my son played, would I want him to play maybe when he was and he didn't play till he was older, actually, because we didn't have super juniors back then. Didn't didn't have youth football at a younger, I think he was in sixth grade when he, fifth or sixth grade when he, Nick started playing. And so I, I just feel like that if you feel like your kid should wait till later, that's fine. That should be your choice to do that. Mm-hmm. It should also be your choice if you want your kid to play when he's seven or eight years old. That should be your choice. And I don't feel like somebody at the state or federal level should be legislating that to you. That should be your decision and your child's decision, not somebody else's decision. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there are much more important things that politicians need to be doing. Totally agree. I don't trust the fact that this is just some let's protect the children storyline. There's something else there some sort of backroom deal with somebody, insurance companies, whoever, lobbyists that want to bring this to fruition too because I just don't trust politicians. I, I just feel like, like I said, I use the helmet law for, for, for motorcyclists. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to wear a helmet, that should be your choice. Now, some some things say, should be regulated. Some things yeah. don't need to be. Now, some people say, what about seatbelt laws? I think it's been proven that that, that seatbelts save lives. I'm, I remember growing up in an era where seatbelts, you don't wear a seatbelt. Right. What if the car goes in the river and you can't get the seatbelt off and you drown? That's stupid. How often is that ever going to happen to you? Free bath. <laughs> we found that seatbelts seat save lives. I mean, helmets save lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, you know I'm on the seatbelt thing, I'm kind of torn because it's the same to agree like a helmet law. You should do it. You should wear it. Yeah. Because it makes sense and it saves lives. Wearing a helmet saves lives, but also riding a motorcycle is a a risky endeavor to begin with. Mm-hmm. Helmet or no helmet. And so I, I just don't feel like you, that should be legislated. And the same with this deal, where why are you trying to legislate to parents if their kids should play a sport or not? If they don't, if they if they feel like it's not safe for them to play at that an early age then great, then don't have your child play and have them play flag football, and that's that's fine. But but And also don't demonize people if they decide to have their kid play because they've made that choice. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's another in a long line and not very, not even very close to the end of the line of just stay out of my business type things that the government's not doing. And this is California, I understand. There's... There's just as many issues there as there are everywhere else yes. with government overreach. And there's a part of it to where, especially the way this world works now, more specifically this country, that just because X person said I should do it, I'm either going to, no questions asked, or not going to, no question. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like, we're going to ban football under the age of 12. Well, my kid's three. I'm going to have him play tackle football now just because you said it's going to be banned. And and that's ridiculous. And it's stupid. And that's the type of landscape people have to live in now. 
That should be a, my kid wants to play. I support their desire to play. I've done the research. I've read mm-hmm. the pros and cons of this. We've talked about it, and we've made the decision that that we will that he's going to play. If you, knowing knowing what these risks are, not because not that I'm trying to prove a point politically or mm-hmm. or anything like that. If you want to make youth sports safer for children, ban the parents from going. Make the field an actual safe space for the children. In some cases, that's. That's spot on. Do Veterans Stadium and have a little jail cell at every youth sporting event. Throw the mouthy parents in there where they have to watch a game that's not their kid. And let the yeah. children play in peace. Right. I, I said I... That's how you make youth sports better. I just feel like you need to let parents, in this case, make the decision with their kid. There doesn't need to be a state law... How about the law of common sense? How about this is my choice. I'm making this decision. And like I said, not not everybody's going to make an informed decision. Not everybody's going to take the time, sit down, look at a, a research in regard to, to childhood, head trauma, things like that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to do that. Wish they would. You should because you should make an informed decision on this. But I, I just feel like, man, this is a this is a bad road to go down. You're going to start legislating to people what their what their kids can and can't do when it, when it comes to something like yeah. like this like a, an, an an activity i just it feels like we're already down this road this is just the next exit and there's going to be more and worse and more evas- invasive down the road yeah i, I don't yeah. feel like we're starting i feel like we're a third of the way down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. So if you got some thoughts on that today, you got one from Steve this morning. Good morning, Steve. In my opinion, tackle football is not dangerous under 12 or over 17. The dangerous, to, the danger to me is when some kids have gone through puberty and some have it in middle school. Okay. Um, I, I'm not yeah. a scientist, but I know yeah. like the 10-year-olds that wear the adorable little kids that wear the helmets and the pads and they're moving at maybe two miles an hour and they bonk into each other. I don't know how dangerous that is for them. But Steve does make a point to where some kids are adults. Some kids are kids. Some some kids are, pardon my French, grown bleeping men. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to use the A word there. I decided not to. Yeah, they're, and they are at, at, at eighth grade. Mm-hmm. They're they're bigger than other kids. Yeah, and I think it's a case with it's not the youth football. It's like anything with football. It's not it's not necessarily always the violent hit because you don't have kids at that it's level. The repetitive that, hits. It's the repetitive hits that are that are the problem, and that's why mm-hmm. reducing the number of practices, things like that, reduce obviously the number of or at least the number of contact practices reduce some of those those concerns. Uh, Jeremiah. Um, morning, gentlemen. I am torn on letting my son, who is seven, play football when he is older. When we watch the Broncos religiously with the new research on brain injuries, I'm not sure if I'll let him play. I saw my brother have at least three concussions in high school as a lineman. It was pretty scary. As for the California law, I agree. It's not the government's job to legislate what our kids can and can't play. It should be a parent decision. And, Jeremiah, I, I can't tell you what you should have your son do. If you want to ban stuff for kids... Ban quick scoping on Call of Duty because that pisses me off. <laughs> well, you got a twelve-year-old out there. It's a yeah. bam! Oh, ugh. I think if you've if you've had a family member like Jeremiah has that, that's dealt with concussions, you you have a 
somewhat of a reluctance to it. I, I get that. Totally understand that. And that's the decision that you, know, you you and your son are going to have to talk about as as you move forward and how how much he wants to play football. And do you support that desire? And do you try to do the best you can from from your standpoint of, of monitoring that and being there as as the safeguard as any parent should be of, hey, you know what? Maybe this is you've had a concussion. Maybe it's or two. Maybe it's time to not play anymore. But once again, I think you have to make those decisions as 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 a family. Uh, let's see. This is from Bird Dog. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Ben Franklin quote. Didn't Ben Franklin also get electrocuted with a kite? I think it uh, gave him a little jolt. Yeah. Yeah, it did. From Guru. I would think the legislators in California should be more concerned with legislation concerning the blatant turd dropping in their cities more than trying to diminish parental rights. The streets of San Francisco are rank. They have big concerns in California. The homeless problem is a major problem in California. I mean, that's that's just that's factual. That's yeah. not opinion. That's a fact. That's a pro- people and, with homes apparently pooping outside. I guess <laughs> barely so. Didn't know that was a big, they, big they, issue. I, I agree. Not just in California, but every state. They have, to me, bigger concerns than this, than whether kids under 12 should play tackle there football. There are and thousands it. of far greater issues. I totally agree. All right. So uh, let's... Uh, like I said, worry about outlawing the boxcar children books or something. That should be higher up the list. Why, you mentioned the Berenstein Bears. Why, why the hatred about the Berenstein Bears today? I don't know. I'm just picking random books. Really? Boxcar Children. Five, five, five Children's Series. Curious George. Who needs to ask that many questions? I don't know. See, Curious George, now we're into different territory. That one's, Curious a, little, George, that one's a little weird. Actually. I'm just, the man in the yellow hat and Curious George, their relationship is one we could spend it's years. Curious. Get, yeah. would dive in, dive into for years. Mm-hmm. It's very much, very much a Ross and because it's some <laughs> the monkey thing from France. Oh, what was it? It was like, it was a French name. Uh, Marcel. Marcel, yes. I just think that Curious George, what a giant pain in the pain in the ass, to be quite honest. Yeah, to be perfect. Yeah, one hundred percent. Man, the yellow hat was always trying to clean up his messes. What I mean, mm-hmm. not, not just the, to clean uh, it up, not, turns on the streets. Not, yeah, not just throwing. Yeah, not yeah. just the, the literal throwing of poo mm-hmm. by Curious George, as monkeys are prone to do, but just all the trouble he would get into. Right. I also don't. If I'm Guru, I don't know if I want California regulating the Chargers, just dropping turds all over the place. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's go to around the NFL this morning. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. I'm saving Mark's text to this because it's actually around the NFL related. Not about poop on the streets in San Francisco or anything like that. Mark said, I heard a few radio shows yesterday saying that Pete Carroll should be a Hall of Famer. Mike Shanahan has better credentials than Pete, wouldn't you think? Yes. I, th- I think just not looking at the records, I would think so. Yeah, I I haven't done a deep dive into the numbers, but, you know, it's one of those. So are you saying Pete doesn't deserve it? I think he's saying is that, that the implication you're putting out there. I, I think Mark is trying to say more of, don't you think that Shanahan should be there first 
over somebody like Pete Carroll. I, I mean that unless maybe, but we've we've been saying for years that Mike Shanahan should be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely should Just be. because they say Pete Carroll should be doesn't mean he's going in in August. I guess maybe that's my initial thought on it. I'm looking. Pete Carroll's got a much bigger Wikipedia page. I don't <laughs> don't know what that does for anything, but but it's because it's college and NFL. I think. See, Pete Carroll won thirty-seven, sixty-nine, and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, five NFC West titles, ten playoff wins, two Super Bowls. Obviously, won a Super Bowl. So that's the Pete Carroll resume. Twelve playoff appearances for two different teams. Mike had eight for two different teams. Both went to back-to-back Super Bowls. Mike won both of his. Pete lost one of his. Mike Shanahan's record is 170 and 138. Pete Carroll's record is 170 and 120. That was a 137-691. That's with the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I want to clarify that. And then... He, he did actually win a national championship in USC. I know the NCAA wants to make us think that didn't happen. It did actually happen. Now, but it doesn't mean bearing, thing. But it doesn't have any bearing on him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. No. I mean, it's a nice little addition to the resume, mm-hmm. but it's not the thing that pushes him over the top. But his resume, if you take out Mike Shanahan's second Super Bowl win, just the result of a single game... Pete Carroll's resume is better. He's got a greater winning percentage. He's got less firings. Two as opposed to... Well, I guess he's got three for the Jets. He was six and ten yeah. with the Jets. I don't know. They, they're they very even to me. Shani did win a Super Bowl as an OC in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that's something you have to kind of consider. Did win two Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Some of the numbers for Carroll skew in his favor. They both. How about this? They both probably deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, they. They. I don't both think. I don't think, I don't think do. it's either one over the other. I think they both probably deserve to be there. I mean, Shanahan can. Well, the winning percentage is better for Carroll. Shanahan supporters could say, "Well, yeah, he won two Super Bowls though mm-hmm. as a head coach, and they won back-to-back Super Bowls. That's that's not nothing." But then you go to that period in the 2000s where a lot of eight and eights. Missing out in the playoffs, that they kind of takes the then the time in Washington kind of takes the resume down a little bit. Seven below five hundred seasons for Shanahan, five for Pete Carroll. Yeah. How about markets wash, and they both probably should be in. I think that's a fair thing I mean, to say. Here in Bronco Country, it's probably Shanahan should be in, and Pete Carroll for sending us Russell Wilson should be sent to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Possibly so. I, I just think that that Shanahan should be in the Hall of Fame now, though. He should already be in. It shouldn't even be a question. It should, yeah, it shouldn't even be a question. But as a better credentials, mm, yeah. that's eye of the beholder. Let's say a wash. Yeah. Let's say a wash on that, that they, they both have credentials worthy of them getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame guy that will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is Bill Belichick, though um, he might have another we'll have a, he'll probably have another team on his resume when that day happens because at 10 o'clock this morning, the Patriots 
are holding a press conference where Bill Belichick will be there. Robert Kraft, the owner, will be there. And they will announce that they are parting. Paper to- box <laughs> full of stuff. Be gone. And his wife that looks like his granddaughter. Oh, they broke up last oh, did year. They bro- did yeah. they break up? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot. I you may you monitor those Wikipedia. things closer than I do. Oh, I saw that as I was scrolling through. Oh, okay. The so relationship that's just... ended in 2023. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so they, be gone. He's going to be there because Belichick will no longer coach the Patriots. Six Super Bowl victories for Bill Belichick, and they went four and twelve, four and thirteen this season. Their worst record since '92. Third time in four years they've had a losing record. And so Belichick can now go look for another job. Could it be Tennessee? Where he could, could he replace Mike Vrabel, his one-time disciple and player? Who's going to replace he, him in New England? <laughs> maybe. Or could it be Gerard Mayo? Possibly. Could Belichick go to the Chargers? Could he join the AFC West? Possibly. We'll see what happens. But uh, the Patriots will not seek compensation, by the way, because he still has one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to they're not, they're not going to be a trade. There's not going to be a trade for him or anything like that. Interesting. But, yeah, so that's going to be part of the deal. So for Belichick, who right now is second all-time in wins, Glenn Plaffs among head coaches with 333, trying to chase down Don Shula, 347. But uh, for all those, was it Belichick or Brady? You probably now say it was more Brady because mm-hmm. the Pats have been are twenty nine and thirty eight with one playoff appearance and no postseason wins since Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and then decided to retire. Yeah, that Matt Finally. Castle year feels like an outlier now, doesn't it? It sure does. See, Bill could coach up anybody because yeah, uh, yeah. they were they were what uh, ten and five or 11, 11 I think and five. Eleven and five that year, but they missed out because AFC was just great that year and they missed out on the playoff spot. Where do you think Belichick goes? Or does he decide to call it quits? I, I think there's still too much desire to coach. I think there's still he still feels like there's still gas in the tank. Mm-hmm. But then you're also going to a new place. That can either be, oh, do I want to start over again? Or, or it could be invigorating to him to go to another place. I, I put a little more stock in... He may go to a place that's not open yet. Because okay. and I don't think he would go strictly because of the conversation we just had about whether it was him or Tom. Who knows if Tampa Bay gets bounced the way that they got Todd Bowles kind of foisted on them by Bruce Arians. Maybe he's out. Like, there's a little bit shakier ground with Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia that I think people realize. What happens if the Cowboys are one and done? I think Mike McCarthy's dead man walking there. But could that relationship work with Jerry and him? It doesn't need to work for 10 years. Yeah, but that's two old war horses where Bill might just say, look, Jerry, I've won more Super Bowls and I need to have more say here. Or maybe he'll just be with you, you you. You you give me the players I coach them up and that's all that's all I need to do here. That's where it goes back to what I said yesterday, where I think Bill putting out the, you know, I'll stay with the Patriots and give up some of the decision making. I think that was laying the groundwork for his next job, not necessarily right. trying to stay with the Patriots. Also, there's free heated speculation that Andy Reid may retire. Yes, that's been out there for 
for a few days. Bill Belichick loves him some Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. That'd be a pretty good place to go to if you're Belichick, if where he decides to hang it up, or, or would they try to bring back Eric Bieniemy? Yeah, maybe. That's a possibility. But I think that those four specifically are places that, and I mean, I don't think Mike Tomlin's done after this year in Pittsburgh, but I wouldn't rule that out either. There are already eight openings. There could be five more in a month. There could be 13 of 32 jobs open in the NFL in a month, and there are a lot of possibles for Bill to walk in and not have to do a three-year turnaround at 72. Okay, here's my tinfoil hat one today. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Denver Broncos. No. Oh. He goes back to Cleveland to get the job done this time. Sorry, Kevin Stefanski. You might be Pro Football Talks Coach of the Year, but it's Bill Belichick back to the Browns to finish the job that he couldn't when he was there the last time. Job's not done this year, though. <laughs> I'm saying, though, next season. Joe Flacco. You mean no, but Bill I'm ta- Belichick I'm, I'm to talking about Belichick. a repeat? I'm talking about Belichick going there and for himself. To engineer a repeat in Cleveland. That's just what you're the, saying, the, huh? Just, I'm just saying that you, no, just to go there, whether, regardless what happens, you guys aren't going to win it. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. But who knows? If it does, it'll be great. I'd be, I'd be happy for you. Kind of. Maybe yeah. not. Okay. Um, you say I'm but, a bitter ball of hate. But I could just, I mean, That's hating it's with not going to happen. H, baby. I was giving Tyler grief about his tinfoil hat conspiracy stuff last Friday. And so, but mine is, mine is firmly tongue in cheek. Yeah. But Belichick back to Cleveland where it all began for him in the NFL as a head coach to uh, to right the wrongs that happened the back then. Would Jimmy and D. Haslam at the helm, question mark, of the SS Cleveland Browns? <laughs> There's no way they're that stupid on accident. They might do something like that. Who knows? You never know. So uh, other quick NFL notes this morning. Falcons have requested to talk to Steve Wilkes to be their next head coach. Also, the Falcons are going to interview a Detroit offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, as well. So that's uh, on the horizon. Uh, also, they've asked to t- they're talking to everybody. Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator as well. Also, uh, looks like the Bears, the Vikings, Jags will host London games in 2024. Carolina will go to Munich to play. So It's a big beer stein that... Dave Tepper's going to throw him. <laughs> you chuck and hit somebody with. to two-hand that bad boy. <laughs> like a 55-gallon draw. Yeah. <laughs> Bears and Vikings will play at, it, uh, play at Tottenham Hotspur, while the Jags will play at Wembley. And then the Munich game will be uh, at Alizans Arena? Allianz. Allianz. Uh, I don't it's Allianz. insurance company. Okay. How do you know that? Do you have Allianz as a... Uh, like there's, I think it's travel protection stuff that comes through Allianz. Okay. It looks like a Lions, but it's not. I, yeah, it's a insurance. I've never heard. Thing. I'm honest. I've never heard of them. Uh, it'll be the third straight year with a game in Germany, by the way. So there you go. Quick look at around the NFL. All right. Uh, time to play the pal's favorite game, which is. Sorry, chewing some ice. <laughs> yes, today, up for grabs, okay. it is a case of New Belgium, courtesy of our friends at High Country Beverage. 
First correct answer on the text line, 970-242-1340 gets it. couple of things. If you've won any time in the last two weeks, sit it out. If you don't want the prize, sit it out. If you're under the age of 21, since it is beer, sit it out. I am the NFL's current active leader in playoff passing yards that is actually playing in the postseason this year. I play college football under a guy in the Nick Saban coaching tree. My current coach is 10 and 11 all time against the not technically fired Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. Who is it? All right, first correct answer wins. Case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage. Must be 21. If you've won the last two weeks, don't play. And this month, you could win a membership for you and three other folks at Crossroads Fitness. So uh, get your uh, get your uh, answer in right now. First correct answer wins on the team line, 970-242-1340. Larry Manchester with Grand Junction Parks and Rec with us. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Happy New Year, sir. Same to you. So we're into 2024. That means a new year and new stuff going on new with the Parks and Rec. On. Yes, we've got a new activity guide that came out right around the holiday season. And <laughs> excuse me, and we've got a lot of fun stuff going on. We're moving our activities inside for a bit. We're going to start. We're in the middle of registration for our adult and youth volleyball leagues. Uh, adult volleyball leagues registration deadline is the 22nd. Get your teams registered so we can start play the the end of January, and that will be happening. And youth registration deadline is January 19th. Get your kiddos registered so we can get the teams put together, coaches made, and all that good stuff happening. Uh, as well as our indoor volleyball, we're also getting ready for our cornhole leagues to be going on at the Lincoln Park Barn. And indoor pickleball. Holy cow, we've got so many times that you guys can come. I know pickleball is such a, a great activity, and it just um, takes over our, our outdoor courts. Uh, we've got several opportunities at the Lincoln Park Barn and the Bookleaf Activity Center to to come in and play. So see what the what all the fuss is about, what the craze yes. is all about, yes. if you haven't already. And if you haven't already and want to learn about it, we're also doing clinics. And we have um, one a month. Actually, the first one is on the 15th of January. But you can do those at the Bookleaf Activity Center as well as at Lincoln Park when it warms up a little bit if you do want to learn about it. Uh, if you want to see all the times that we have available either at the Bookcliffe Activity Center or at the Lincoln Park Barn, we have a schedule that we post at our parks office, and that's probably the easiest because they're all over the place. It, it, uh, we, any open spot we have, we put them in there, and they come out and, and play and have a good time. We have court monitors that kind of help the drop-in process and get everybody going uh, and make it fair for everyone to get some, some court time. Absolutely. Yeah. So the best thing to do is, like I said, we have so much new stuff going on with, with 2024, is we do have the new activity guide online, and you can go to our website at gjparksandrec.org, click on the activity guide and flip through all the, all the new stuff we have going on. You can come by the parks office and pick up a guide or give us a call, 254-3866, and we're more than happy to, to give you all the good information about what's going on because we, we can't mention it all. We've still got the Orchard Mesa Community Center pool with swim lessons going on. We've got basketball at three on three basketball getting ready to start so just a ton of, yeah, of countless great, things great indoor activities as we see the white stuff outside and once again go to your website the website to go to is gjparksandrec.org and take a look at all the great stuff all right get out of the, the the cold and get inside with a great activity with grand junction parks and rec larry always a pleasure thank you so much yeah thanks for having me all right coming up we'll have our team's team of the week in just a couple minutes uh you can text or call us 
state of California, their legislature wants to ban tackle football for the under for kids under the age of 12. Got some thoughts on that today. Also, the retirement of Nick Saban yesterday. Bill Belichick expected to part ways with the Patriots today. Pete Carroll kind of at least forced, not necessarily into retirement, but out of his job as the Seahawks head coach. So uh, some reaction to all that today on the team line, 970-242-1340. I'm the morning guy. I have a Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's the team's team of the week on the Jim Davis Show. And it's our first uh, team's team of the week for 2024. And this week, it's the Fruit of Monument Boys basketball team. They're off to a 12-0 start, and they're currently the number one team in the 6A RPI. And with us right now, Fruit of Head Coach Michael Wells, also Daniel Thomason and Max Orchard. Guys, appreciate you joining us this morning. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. We'll start out with you, Michael. Uh, your team's off to a great start, 12-0. and You're in your first year being the, the boys' head coach after a very successful run as the girls' coach uh, at Fruit of Monument. And, and uh, I know something that uh, you and I have talked about a little bit is you know, getting, getting your team to, to buy into what you're doing on both ends of the floor, particularly on the defensive end. And it really looks like uh, your players have responded to uh, the effort on the defensive end uh, as part of this 12-0 and start. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, coming in, one of the things that I talked with the guys about is, you know, I just felt like they were super talented offensively, um, you know, and I just felt like we could get more out of them on the defensive end. And I felt like it would prepare us better for, you know, the, the, the tough times in the season, the, uh, the, the, the run at the end of the year for the playoffs and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, it, it took a little while, you know, and I were talking about it, you know, the other day after practice, because I had asked him in the earlier part of the season when we were struggling with it is what's it going to get to take you guys to buy into this? And he was really, really frank about it. He says, it's just going to take time, you know, and I feel like we've been getting a little better, um, you know, each and every day in practice, the guys have been working hard. They've really been putting effort into buying into the concept. And, you know, from, from the really kind of the end of the first semester into the first two games of the second semester, I think, while we still have some room for improvement, we really turn the corner on that end of the floor. We have Max Orchard, senior for Fruit of Monument. He's averaging 13.3 points per game, 6.2 uh, boards per contest. And and Max, being a senior on this team, uh, leadership role, of course, is part of what you provide uh, for Coach Wells. And uh, what have you tried to do in regard to not just the, the defensive end, but also try to help lead this basketball team in your senior season? Um, yeah, I just try to be like a leader um kind of just like help the younger uh like grades below me like just like show them how like things need to be done but in like like a respectful leader way um yeah who's who's maybe somebody that helped shape that that leadership style that you have is there a guy that you played with previously uh maybe a, a coach or somebody that's helped kind of shape how you approach being a leader on the floor and and in the the locker room as well. I think um, mostly like family at home, like taught me how to be a leader. My um, um, older brother, he uh, taught me how to be a leader, and um, he taught me how like how to be led, and that kind of really showed a impact on me on how to be a leader. Also, just like in school and um, 
like coaches like Michael. He's a great leader too. He's he helps with that a lot too. We're talking with uh, the Fruit of Moment Boys Basketball Team. They're our team's team of the week off to a 12-0 start, the number one team in the uh, 6A RPI. And uh, Max, uh, as I mentioned, your team's 12-0 right now. That comes out that kind of the dovetails off this leadership question. How do you and your teammates handle the pressure of being undefeated right now? That You know, it's, it's probably not going to stay that way. It's You'd love to go undefeated all the way to a, a state championship, but it, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, too many good basketball teams out there. And, and sometimes you're going to have an, an off night. But uh, how do you handle the pressure of uh, all the, the talk about this team being maybe the best team in the Western Slope, being the number one team in the RPI? How do you help your teammates manage those expectations? Uh, we, like, we really try not to like look at it that way. We just um, Each week we just try to look at what the game in front of us is and prepare ourselves as best as we can for the next game up. Um, Obviously, it would be nice to go undefeated throughout the season, but um, our main goal is just to get to that Coliseum. So whatever that takes, um, we try to do. We also have Daniel Thomason, Jr., uh, all-league player for, for Fruita Monument, uh, team's leading score at 16.4 points per game, uh, just over seven rebounds per contest. And, and Daniel, after uh, the, the transition from last year's coaching staff to, to Coach Wells this year, uh, how difficult has it been for you and maybe your teammates to – to, to, to shift to some of the ideas that Coach Wells is trying to impart with this year's group? I think during the summer when we were playing, you know, it was a little difficult and going into like the preseason stuff, it was still a little difficult. But I think we were able to all buy in and make that transition pretty easily. When you talk about, when we talk about this team, it's 12 and 0, as I mentioned. And then the expectations are to, to try to win a state championship. And it's, it's going to be tough with some of the, the, the really great basketball teams that are over in the front range, like a Valor Christian, a Smoky Hill, Eagle Crest. They're all uh, right behind you guys in the RPI right now. But um, is there a little bit of a, an us-against-the-world mentality when it comes to Fruit Monument basketball against you know being the only 6A program on this side of the hill? A little bit of an us-against-them mentality, a you-against-the-world? I mean, yeah, pretty much. Um, people don't really think of us a lot over here on this side of the mountain so I think when we go over we kind of have a chip on our shoulder you know to like prove ourselves and show that we belong with the top teams in the state you're one of the, the best basketball players in the southwestern league and, and certainly one of the best basketball players on this side of the hill and in the state as well you, you play a lot uh, of course on, on on travel teams during the summer um, you, you go to a, a variety of, uh, of, of those um, elite events uh, throughout the course of the summer. Where do you feel like maybe Daniel now in your junior year where you've uh, maybe made the, the biggest strides in terms of maybe on the offensive side or defensive side? Um, I would think probably defensive side. I've definitely communicated more, gotten help more. But, I mean, that's kind of like a team thing that we've been focusing on. You know, offensively, I would say just – finding people when they're open i think that's something that i've been able to do and that i've struggled with struggled with in the past it's our uh, team's team of the week with the fruit of monument boys basketball team they're off to a 12-0 start we're talking with coach michael wells also uh daniel thomas and max orchard of the wildcats and and daniel i imagine that guy that's there with you uh, max orchard also a uh, jet wells uh, coach uh, coach wells son with what they're doing this season from a scoring standpoint you're having another great season scoring, but it does kind of take some pressure off when those two guys do what they've been doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great having other guys that can score because, you know, I could have an off night, which obviously I don't want to have, but if I have an off night, 
those dudes will just go off because they're great scorers. We'll go back to Coach Wells. Uh, Michael, you mentioned uh, the, the progress your, your team has made on the defensive end. I know it's a little bit different style. We talked about that when you first took over the job, a little bit different than what the previous staff was doing in terms of offense. Kind of take us through how the guys have adapted to that because certainly with the the, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, with a 12-0 start that the, the guys have uh, really uh, embraced what you do on the offensive end. Yeah, you know, and I think the first word that they all that they all learned or, or that they all had to make a commitment to was sacrifice. Um, you know, Max is playing a position that he's never played before. You know, he's kind of playing more of a, a, a four spot for us just because it allows us to get more scores on the floor. Um, you know, Daniel at the college level, as he progresses, is going to be, you know, probably a three. And, you know, because of his size or maybe our lack of size has had to play with his back to the basket a lot of the year. Um, and so all of these guys bought in offensively and defensively. You know, I told them that sacrificing um, on the defensive end in terms of, of buying into that style and how it was different was going to make us better as a team. So everybody on our roster is kind of given a little bit in certain areas for the good of the group. And, and I think that's probably the thing I'm most proud of with all of these guys is, you know, I think you look most places in the league or, or a lot of places on the Western Slope, any one of these guys would be would be the top guy, you know, the leading scorer and, you know, maybe maybe averaging the 20-25 mark. But they've all given a little bit for the good of the group, and I think that's kind of led to this transition and, and to the success we've had thus far in the season. It's our team's team of the week with the Fruit of Monument Boys basketball team talking with Coach Michael Wells, also a Max Orchard and Daniel Thomason. And uh, you got Glenwood Springs, of course, uh, Michael, uh, coming up tonight. Um, Glenwood, I think uh, the, the record's a little deceptive. We, we talked uh, earlier with John Sedanich about that, that the, with the Central's coach about that record for Glenwood uh, really is, is deceptive. They've played some really good basketball teams. And then Tuesday, you've got Palisade, a little preview to next year when they join the Southwestern League. And it's, it's a Palisade team with Hunter Howard and uh, Lane Repelius that uh, they're playing some pretty good basketball right now. So that'll... That's going to be a raucous environment coming up on Tuesday night when you go to Palisade. Absolutely, we've you know we've got a stretch here of five games in twelve days, and you know you've seen it at the at the NBA level. You've seen a little at the higher level of the of the six A ranks, and then you know I think four of the top five teams in Division One have all got upset this week. You kind of get to a point in the season, you know, where maybe you've been rolling a little bit, things get a little monotonous, things get you know, um, a little tedious in terms of your preparation. And then you've got other teams that are, that are hungry, you know, that, that see that target on your back They're you know, maybe they're fighting for playoff, you know, lives or, or, you know, tournament bursts and those sorts of things. And this is a really dangerous time of the year. As, as we've seen, if, if, uh, if you really aren't focused on, at the task at hand, um, you know, like Glenwood tonight has three double, double figure scores. Um, they're really versatile. They shoot the ball really well. You know, be a tough environment, and it's probably one they've had circled on their calendar, you know, since the schedule came out. And, and um, you know, their record is deceiving in terms of the the teams they've played and, and the games that they've been in. And I have no doubt that that they'll be ready for us. And so we got to get off the bus ready to go. And then, as I mentioned, Palisade on Tuesday. That uh, you know, certainly it's uh, they they lost some talent from last year. But it's a, a team that with Hunter Howard and, and Lane Repelius and some of those players that they have for Corey Hitchcock, Michael, that'll uh, 
it'll be a real test their place it's always a raucous environment going out there on tuesday yeah they have probably as as good a student section as there is um you know on the western slope and and cory does a great job with them and you know, it's got a neat little community environment you know and it, it's a team that that has some young guys but they're they're super super talented and and you know i know cory works with them every day and him and i talked a little bit through text a couple days ago and you know he just just trying to get him a little bit better every day and he's starting to see that kind of breakthrough and and that sort of thing and and, and again they they want to make a statement on their schedule if they have an opportunity to beat us it, it bodes well for them from a confidence perspective and some of those things going into the league next year and um you know we got a couple of road games back to back would be a really good test for our guys all right your team's 12 and 0 but i every coach is this way and i know you're no exception there's always there, there are things that still are not where you'd like them to be what are some of those things you look to improve upon uh with this uh, very very busy schedule coming up well, I mean, anybody that knows me knows the defensive end of the floor is important to me. And, you know, we had a, a second half against Chatfield, you know, this, this past weekend where we gave up six points. And I can still find areas that I think we, we could improve in, you know. Um, and, you know, when you go on a stretch like this of road games here coming up and a rivalry game with Junction down the road and some of those sorts of things, you're not going to shoot it well every night. You know, sometimes there's a lid on the rim. Um, you know, you get guys in foul trouble. You know, those sorts of things. And and defense travels, and you always got to be ready to, to go. I think we've done a pretty good job offensively. I think we have a ton of weapons um, that, that can get us, you know, 10 to 14 points any night. And, you know, we have to limit and take out other teams' best players um, on a regular basis, which, which is just really about effort, really about heart you know, communication and, and our guys have done that. And that helps you get through some of those tough shooting nights. It kind of helps you stem the tide on the road when the team, you know, makes a run or has a lot of energy out of tip. And so, you know, I'm really looking for us to just continue to improve on that end of the floor. And until we shut somebody out, um, I'll never be happy. That's just how I am. Our team's team of the week is for Devontae Boys basketball. This is for the players now, and I hope I don't get you in trouble. Is there anything back <laughs> October, November, like a Wellsism, where you looked at Coach Wells and like this guy's a lunatic. But now January, oh, you 11th, really stated that nicely. Well, well, I can say that. January 11th, you're like, okay, Should I, I hang get up? it now. <laughs> no. I wouldn't blame you if you did, Mike. No, but something the coach said, you're like, uh, this guy's a little crazy. And now you're like, okay, I get He's it. He's a genius. Yeah. Is there anything like that for you guys? Um, honestly, anything on the defensive end. If we're being honest, but no, it's really, it's really helped us. But yeah, back then, maybe we looked at it as a little crazy, but it's definitely helped us right now. All right. Something for both of you guys. Um, let's see, we'll start, we'll start at Daniel. Your, uh, your favorite NBA player all time is. Uh, Jordan, definitely. Teammate that has the most annoying habits something that they do that drives you crazy um wilson probably wilson what does he do he just uh, he just says some funny stuff which sometimes will get us in trouble but i he talks non-stop (laughs) that's he just does not stop talking okay (laughs) all right uh last uh last question here 
a TV show series or something you're watching right now that you're really into or a book that you're reading that you're really into or, or a video game that you're really into? When do you have time to do any of those things when you're not practicing or playing basketball? Um, I'm either playing video games or watching a show called The Ozarks. Oh, Ozark with uh, Jason Bateman. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great series. Show. You'll it's it's you'll love it. You'll love it. Speaking of lunacy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I got one final one for Daniel. Since I, I I know your dad played softball with him years ago. Um the first time you beat your dad one on one. How old uh, were you? I don't I don't think I have because I think he stopped playing me once. <laughs> Yeah, I like to say that's good. Yeah, that's old guy smart. He decided to go. Is. I'm, I'm done. Move. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> veteran move. That's yeah, <laughs> veteran savvy move. Don't don't play the kid anymore. You're gonna just embarrass yourself. Max, um, so favorite basketball player of all time? Probably Jordan too. Jordan. Okay, very good. Uh, teammate that that drives you nuts. I probably have to agree with Daniel. Like sometimes Wilson can say some out of pocket things that, like he said, kind of gets us in trouble. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's all fun and games in the end. So. Yeah, we should clear Wilson Sigmund, by the way, is the Wilson that they're that they're referring to. Uh, let's see. Um, what was the other part? The other question I asked was, what uh, hobby? What do you do in your off time? Uh, what do you What do you What are you watching right now? What are you listening to? What are you reading? I'm watching like Breaking Bad on Netflix, and then play. I, we all play video games together after practice and before practice. So okay, very good. Uh, with uh, of course uh, Walter White, yeah. Is there a is there a teammate that reminds you of Walter White? Definitely Austin Reed. Okay. <laughs> in what in what way may I ask? I don't know. Uh, we'll let, we'll let you guys figure that out. Okay. <laughs> but we know he is the some da- of this not, some of this stuff needs to stay in the locker room and on the bus. It's okay. Not for radio, for yeah. sure. I I think it's perfect for radio. Uh, it's it's per- great content. Apparently, <laughs> apparently though, he is the danger. So we do know that. We, we do know that much. Hey, guys, we, we appreciate it. Best of luck against Glenwood. Uh, coming up Tuesday, we'll have uh, full court coverage uh, with the Wildcats out of Palisade, also Central Battle Mountain here on the team. For Monument coach Michael Wells, also uh, Max Orchard and Daniel Thomason of the Wildcats. Guys, we appreciate the time and, and keep on keeping on with what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right. That's our team's team of the week. I know some of it has to stay on the bus. They're going to have to pull Wilson Sigmund out from under it, though. Poor, poor Wilson Sigmund. Catching strays. Wait, coach, like he never he never stops talking. You got what? Two, three coaches and fifteen players, and three uh, are like, yeah, it's Wilson. It's fantastic. That guy, no hesitation. Yeah, yeah Wilson Sigmund. That guy. <laughs> All right. Poor kid's just sitting in a class somewhere. It's like what? Hey. What? I didn't even have a chance to defend myself. Just me, boys. What's going Come on? Come on, guys. You're killing me. All right. I thought you had my back. Yeah, no my, kidding. That's for my boys. All right, 854. We have a winner today for, uh, who is it? We do. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. So the question was, the active passing leader actually playing in the playoffs this year is none other than Patrick Mahomes. Kim first in the door with that. All right, very good. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Hour 3 on the Team Sports Network.